Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I'm your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Mary Ping. This is the part two of our episode from two days ago. So when I spoke with Mary, we just had such a great conversation. It ended up going a bit longer. And so I have crafted this episode as a super episode or a double episode. And this is the second part of the interview. So I really hope you'll enjoy it and enjoy listening to what life is like for community cats in Beijing. Enjoy the show. So in one of our earlier episodes, we had Amy St. Arnaud on representing the Humane Alliance model for high-volume, high-quality spay-neuter clinics here across the country. And I think in thinking back over the years in the United States, what's been one of the game changers in being able to handle the overpopulation situation here, the Humane Alliance basically franchise model of a high-volume, high-quality spay-neuter clinic has been really incredible. They have 130 practices across the country. And, you know, these practices assist 10,000 to 30,000 plus cats and dogs a year. Would that be something that we could see potentially happening down the road in China? Absolutely. I think all of these models that you see overseas, you know, China's on the same trajectory. You know, 10 years ago, when, when we opened up the hospital and just started bringing in more Western practices that had already been adopted in Western countries like U.S., Canada, uh, European Union uh, member states, this is now starting to just become standard protocol. You know, when we first started the hospital, we were one of the, you know, we were the earliest hospital that used pain management on the animals post-surgery. We were one of the earliest hospitals to use absorbable sutures. All the other facilities were using silk sutures and you had to come back in and you had to remove the sutures. Mm -hmm. And we didn't even have absorbable sutures for stray cats for our TNR programs. You can imagine what type of challenges this pose for ferals, right? right? After you did surgery, you, you really, we had to keep them so that you could take out sutures. So we had a whole slew. Yeah, challenges, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Working. We didn't have kennels. You know, trying to just trap these feral cats with air crates and air carriers was just mind-boggling. I just think back of like, wow, how did we do that? <laughs> so, <laughs> and that was also one of the reasons why I was visiting, you know, Merrimack Valley. I was visiting ASPCA. I went to Hong Kong, Hong Kong SPCA, Singapore SPCA, just to try and get a glimpse of what were practices that were going on over What I realized was that we had all of the trap manufacturers were in China. You could get everything together, but it was not structured. A few practitioners were were trying to do TNR, but they would just give out a trap. Right. And you're supposed to go and and use that one trap to trap, you know, the the, the 12 to 20 straight cats that you had in the colony. And I thought about this and I, I just looked at the programs and I thought, oh my goodness, you know, that that's really, really, number one, it's just mind-bogglingly difficult 
to try to use a trap or two traps to trap a colony of 20 cats. What a tremendous, you know, uh, uh, time utilization that requires. And what I also saw was it became discouraging because you couldn't just take care of the colony. If you had sufficient traps, you could trap at least 70% of the colony and you'd be able to make a dent within days in the number of cats that were there. Uh, you know, they, they would be spayed and neutered. They would be rabies vaccinated as well. The howling and cat fighting and the hissing and all of those quality of life nuisances would really be able to go away and be right by taking, you know, taking more than 70% of the colony with a mass trapping. I saw a lot of people in communities really discouraged and really just dejected because they just felt they were doing all this work with the one or two traps and it's really happening. The cats were still fighting. The more cats they trapped as they reached 50% or more, it became harder and harder to pick up those cats that were not neutered. All those challenges that you read about and about from from programs you know that have been around for many years we were facing in China at that time and it should be able to just you know give advice and give coaching and basically just let the market mature a little bit on its own you needed to sort of let the practitioners that was out there be able to experience how using 10 traps to go and trap your colony of eight cats versus using one or two traps to trap your colony of eight cats to let them have the experience themselves and then for them to be able to decide which was the better method. And mass trapping has always won. But in order to provide mass trapping, you need to have an organization or a program behind it that has made the investment to have the trap bank that will lend the traps for free, that will give the workshops for free, that will provide all the, the, the surgeries at cost or no cost for the community. And that's what we do. The Humane Society International is not here in China. They're not registered. They're not present. They don't have offices in China. The SPCA, the ASPCA, none of these humane animal welfare organizations that we know and love right, from our home countries, mm -hmm. are present in China. They're not here. What that means is organizations like the International Center for Veterinary Services, we fill the void for the community. And the pressure is enormous. We are not subsidized by the government. We're not able to, you know, do our work or buy our drugs or pharmaceuticals or any of our supplies for, yeah, and not be charged taxes on it. We pay all taxes. We pay, we have to pay taxes on any, any revenue that we make. We pay for all the supplies at regular, you know, purchase prices for an animal hospital. There's no discounts that are uh, extended to us. But we provide a lot of these programs, you know, at very little cost for the community. We run these programs at our own expense, and we make it nonprofit for the community because, because to be honest, what options are there? Right. Something right. needs it, to be done. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it, it would be fantastic if there were like a, like a Merrimack Valley Rescue Society here in China. These nonprofits, these types of traditional NGOs that we know of from other countries, they don't exist here. Mm -hmm. So all of us in the community who are involved in animal health care, I think it really, it behooves us to be able to bring these programs to the community. But we need to do more 
It's fabulous that there are more veterinary hospitals today than there were 10 years ago. But the hospitals need to do more, and our doctors need to be better trained in humane animal welfare and in, and in shelter medicine. Shelter medicine is very different from private, you know, private pet owner, private health care. It's a very, very different premise. The objectives are very different. Right. So we, we're also doing a lot of training in shelter medicine and just shelter management because this is also a very new, but very large industry that's emerging in China. Do you have something to share with the Community Cats podcast listeners? If you would like to be a guest on the show or have ideas or recommendations of people that I should have on the show, please email me at Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at communitycatspodcast.com and let me know what you think. Thanks so much for listening to the show. <coughs> Are you swamped with miscellaneous papers and notebooks with details about the cats in your colonies? It's hard to keep track of all the details. Do you get a headache whenever your TNR coordinator asks you for paperwork that they need for their program? Cat Stats is the ultimate TNR program management tool that will reduce your stress. Set up your own online cat colony database and track colonies and caretakers in your service area. Mapping and automated requests for help are also featured. Designed by neighborhood cats, Cat Stats is available at no cost to animal welfare organizations. CatStats has an easy-to-use interface, and all of the information is protected and private. We want to help you spend less time on paperwork and more time helping cats. Check out this free tool at catstats.org, C-A-T-S-T-A-T-S dot O-R-G, brought to you by Neighborhood Cats. So you bring up a, a great word, shelter. And one other thing that I know that was important for us to, to talk about today was sort of, you know, what's the situation for adoption of animals, cats and dogs in China? And what are the important points that you'd like to share with us about what it's like in China? Adoption is very new. I mean, we, we love it through our rescue programs or, or any of the dogs, cats, puppies, kittens, bunny rabbits. Our client base is about 90% adopted pets. That's very unique. Most of the other hospitals in China, you're looking at the origination rates of their, their pets. About 80 plus percent is probably purchased animals. Okay. Let, let's look at why that is. In context, as part of our society, you have to understand most people, if you want something, if you want to acquire something, if you need something, you buy it. If you need a car, you buy a car. If you need a new pair of shoes, you need a coat, you know, you need anything, you buy it. If you need an animal, even as a farmer, if you need a cow, you need a sheep, you need a pig, you need a chicken, you buy it. So it's not that much different for, you know, people that are looking for dogs and cats or companion animals. You you buy the animal. This is just something that is the status quo in our society for, for, for all things that you need. You buy what you need. So this whole concept of adopting animals is very new. Uh, it's something that we are really encouraging people to think about as an option. And one of our great success stories, in addition to our TNR programs, has been our pet adoption programs. Our adoption programs have been exploding through TNR you get a lot of wonderful, friendly cats that can be adopted out. You get a lot of kittens that are, you know, absolutely adoptable if they're they're not feral and they can still be socialized. So, you know, over the last ten years, 
we've been able to cultivate a client base at ICVS where 90% of our pet owners have pets that were stray, rescued, abandoned. TNR, cats and kittens, right? You know, uh, construction site puppies, you know, the stray puppies and dogs that are running around. So this is what we've been able to do. Through their adoption programs, we've also tried to make it as professionally managed and structured as possible. We realized that a lot of the shelters in China, private shelters that had a lot of animals that were available for adoption, they had shelter return rates of 60 to 85% or higher. Oh my. And part, yeah, that that is pretty stunning. I think in the United States, the shelter return rate is about six out of 10 dogs. In China, it's, it's, it's much higher. One of the problems we realized was that there was no professional screening or management or matching program. So through our ICVS Adoptable Pets program, we absolutely, you know, we create adoption ads for the animals. We, we know their profiles. We know their personalities. We try and match them with families that are best suited to the personalities of the animals, the age of the animals, the breed of the animals. We also conduct reference checks on any adoption family. We, it doesn't matter where your references are. They don't have to be in China. We'll email them. We'll Skype call them. We'll, we'll, we'll phone call them. We'll conduct uh, interviews with at least two families that have known you for at least a year give references to to you as a as a potential pet owner you have to have an adoption meeting with us right you have to sign an adoption agreement part of that agreement is the animals have to be neutered and spayed they have to go with you if you leave beijing if you leave china because pets are are you know pets are for life pets are family members so by being able to just introduce these types of screening mechanisms and to be able to share this with shelters that are trying, we're, we're desperately trying to adopt out their animals. We have a 100% adoption rate. Any of the animals that go through our programs, they're 100% adopted. It takes time to adopt out all the animals. Puppies and kittens under three months old just fly out of here. Right. Okay, they're all. <laughs> You know, you have adult animals, you know, right. we had a pair of brother cats, right? Billy and Mally, they were five years old. They were abandoned when their original family left China. They were abandoned at a, at a boarding kennel. They were just left there. So we took on, right, uh, Billy and Mally and we cared for them. It took us 13 months to adopt them out, but we wanted to keep them together. And we found a fabulous family who loves them very much. And they're absolutely going to travel with their family if their family leaves China one day. So these are the things that we do to make sure that the animal is going to permanent forever homes. It's not in anyone's interest to get the cats or dogs adopted out for one or two years. And, you know, now they're no longer puppies. Now they're no longer cute kittens. Now they're just adult animals. And, and you know, you're competing with all of the new puppies and kittens that are constantly coming onto the market every year. This is how we're able to try and encourage adoption. It was really through the TNR programs that we saw friendly cats, you know, mm-hmm. really wonderful. Um, you know, they were abandoned. They were they, they were lost cats. People just didn't want them anymore. And they were on the street and they became part of colonies. But we knew that they were wonderful and that they could probably find a home. And all the little kittens that we came uh, that we saw coming through the program. You know, just last year, Stacy, I adopted a 15 year old courtyard kitty, you know, mama. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Who was part of my courtyard cat for the last 10 years. And he was always a socialized, you know, friendly cat. Um, he had a very, very serious medical condition called feline stomatitis, where he had severe chronic inflammation of his teeth and gums. Yep. So ultimately, he had to have a full dental extraction. Every single tooth from his mouth has been removed yep. to, to, to deal with feline stomatitis. After he had the surgery, I realized this cat cannot go back out. He's going to have to become a house cat. So I adopted him. He became my cat. Mm-hmm. And he's just fabulous. I love him. He loves <laughs> me. He gets along. He gets along with my other, you know, uh, uh, other uh, two senior cats that are twelve years old. All of them are adopted courtyard kitties. This is something that I certainly try to live as well as try to practice and to preach. So you know, we we have a lot of experience. And there are just so many wonderful animals that are out there that we see as part of our TNR programs. We really, really try to encourage adoption. I think if you're doing TNR, you're going to have a really steady, stable supply of adoptable pets. We're certainly finding that out in China right now. So Mary, if there are folks that are interested in finding out more about the incredible work that you're doing in China or would like to donate to help with your program, how would they find you? Please visit our website. We are at www.icvsasia.com. It's all one word. Please visit our website. We have a PayPal donation link right on the landing page of our website. You can browse through the websites in English and Chinese. We list our TNR programs, our humane animal welfare programs. Visit us on Facebook. It's ICVS Asia on Facebook. Search for us. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on all forms of social media that are popular internationally. If you have any questions, reach us through the website. Send us an email through the website. We're more than happy to let you know how you can help, how you can be involved. We welcome donations in any amount, whether it's a dollar or fifty dollars or however you know however much you wish to donate. You know, it, your money goes a long way in China. The veterinary care that we can provide is world class. It's not going to be much different than what you're used to, you know, through your private veterinary hospitals and, and clinics in the United States. Um, we try to provide that same type of high quality, world class medicine. We treat all the stray rescued animals with the same amount of love and the same amount of professionalism as they deserve compared to, I guess, privately owned dogs or cats. We don't see the difference. You know, pets are pets, cats are cats, dogs are dogs, bunnies are bunnies. They're all beloved family members. Even the ones that are not going to be living in someone's home, for example, some of our feral kitties, you know, we treat them with a lot of love and a lot of care. All right. We don't want them to be scared. We want them to feel safe. We want them to feel, you know, as comfortable and as relaxed as is possible given the circumstances. But ultimately, we want them to be cared for during the time that they're in our programs, getting their spay neuter surgeries, so that they can be healthy and they can go back out and just live normal, healthy, wonderful lives and enjoy their freedom, but not reproduce and uh, contribute to this, you know, growing um, program issue that we're starting to see. Love to have more engagement. We welcome, you know, listen to contact us, 
to visit our website, learn more about our nonprofit human animal welfare programs. Um, we have a learning exchange program for veterinarians. So the doctors that are out there listening, if you're interested in coming out to China, spending some time out, uh, out in China, learning about our programs here, working together with our team. We have a fully bilingual facility. Everybody, all the, the um, departments and medical staff. It's a life changing experience. That's what I hear from uh, the stems uh, that have come from the United States and other countries, from pre vet students that have from uh, United that are studying veterinary medicine to internships with us. You know, uh, that's really what I find. We learn just as, you know, all the programs, people here and the viewers here uh, and the pet owners here as you're bring in terms of your your knowledge to our country. Mary, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on again in the future. It just sounds like there's just so much going on in China that we'll need to have you back so we can get an update in six months or a year or so. That would be wonderful. There's always something new happening here, and it's always exciting, and it's always usually pioneering <laughs> in scale and scope. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you again, Mary, and I look forward to having you on again. All right. Thank you so much, Stacy. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes, leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats. 